Well, good morning. Let's retry that, and i got to put this out there. I know, I just know that I know that I know that all the kids in the room are not going to let the adults be louder than them this morning. So, so here's one, one primer, one more try. Good morning. Good morning. Nice. That's, that's good. That's good. Hey, I know uh, if you're a visitor here, this is a, a weirder morning than you were probably expecting. Uh, we do this on Fifth Sundays to, uh, for a few reasons, pull our, our kids in on Fifth Sundays. One of those is that we want to be a church that is serious about discipling our families, our children, raising up the next generation. Our hope and our prayer and our striving effort would be that our children would not be those that would turn away from the Lord, but that would stay anchored in their faith um, as they grow. Uh, another reason, as, as you're sitting there and you're going, oh, my kids are squirming and climbing and poking and drawing and whatever. They're, they're being noisy. Yeah, let's just embrace that. Let's accept it. I, I, I might have to ignore a little sound here or there while I'm teaching this morning. That's fine. You know, when you are trying to teach your child something important or something you view as important, let's say that you're working on teaching them how to shoot a proper basketball form. You have to be patient with that. And man, shame on us if we're not willing to bring a greater patience to teaching our children and to modeling discipleship for them. And so um, the, the idea of, I'm not going to get as much out of it. Well, the heart, when we come to the church as a church family to worship, it ought to be with the perspective of, my primary concern is not what am I going to get out of this, but what am I bringing to the Lord who is worthy, Amen. As we gather to worship, it is what am I bringing to the Lord? And of course, in his grace, we do learn and grow and glean much from it. Okay, so in December, our children have been in a series called City of Angels. And so far, recapping, they've learned that Jesus is God's plan and that Jesus makes everything new. And these are the reasons that Jesus came to fulfill God's plan of salvation and to make everything new, to make this world new is what he's going to do. He's going to make you and me new. And in a way, he has already begun that work of making us new internally. Those things, though, are what bring us today to talk about the fact that with Jesus' plan to make all things new or God's plan to use Jesus to make all things new, and the fact that it is God's plan to make everything new, we are going to talk today about how Jesus is coming again. So let's be ready. Say, get ready. Turn to the person to your right and say, get ready. Well, that doesn't work too well because everybody just told somebody's back of their head. So how about just turn to somebody next to you and say, get ready. Turn to somebody on the other side and say, and stay ready. Get ready and stay ready. Jesus is coming again. Now, how many of you know today is not just your regular day in the calendar? Anybody know what today is? New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. I heard some young voices saying New Year's Eve. A little bit of excitement about what's going on today, New Year's Eve. That's right. Many of you have made plans. Our family has made plans Many of you have made preparations, made arrangements with maybe family, maybe with friends. 
all of that based upon what you expect to arrive tonight. At midnight, you expect the arrival of a new year. We are in 2023 right now for a few more hours, but tonight at the stroke of midnight, it will be a new year, 2024. Many of you might be cheering, clapping, shooting fireworks, having fun. Many of you might be making your own sounds in the form of... And the parents are going, one can hope, right? So let me ask this real quick. Who will be watching the ball drop? Anybody care about that? Watching the ball drop at midnight? Few people. How many of you just don't care about the ball drop? I'm with you. I'm with you there. Let me ask you this. All right, kids, let me, let me get your help because I'm going to ask you some questions sometimes and I'm going to invite you to answer back and then sometimes I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. So boys and girls, grown-ups, young, old, everybody, show of hands, who is going to shoot fireworks at midnight? Wow, nobody? Okay. Who, wait, who might, who's going to shoot fireworks earlier than midnight? A few people? Yeah. I'm with you, parents. Okay. Actually, I don't have fireworks. Wait, let me ask you this another way. Who's going to shoot fireworks on a random day at random hours? You got to live in the country for that one. Okay. Who's going to stay up late playing games or having fun with friends and family? A lot. A lot of you. That's awesome. That's what we're going to do. Let me ask you this, all right. Who's, where are our diehards out there? Who's going to be in bed by 9 o'clock? That'd be nice. All right, boys and girls, on the count of three, go. One, two, three. Nice. Good job. Nonetheless, pretty much everyone has plans tonight, even if those plans are to rebel against popular culture, stay home, and go to bed. That's totally fine. Those are still plans for the evening. The question is, what has led us to the confidence that we can prepare for and plan for the arrival of a new year? What makes us go, we know a new year's coming tonight, and so let's make plans with family and friends, or let's make plans to go, who cares, and let's go to sleep? The confidence that we have in making those plans is what has happened year after year. We know the calendar, we know the way the solar system works, and we know that a new year is going to fall this night. And so we make plans accordingly. We are able to look back and find confidence from what has happened towards what will happen. We just finished celebrating the Christmas season. Did you guys have an awesome Christmas? Yeah. I sure hope so. But boys and girls, do you know that word in church that we sometimes use for the Christmas season? Do you know what that word is? Maybe you have a certain type of calendar in Christmas season. An Advent calendar. That's right. I saw your Advent calendar. It was pretty awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad your dad got you a new one. Advent. Do you boys and girls know what the word Advent means? It's arrival. Advent means arrival. And it's a little more than that, not just the arrival of any random thing. Advent is usually used to talk about the arrival of something important or someone important, something very significant or someone very significant. So let me ask you this. Since we call Christmas season Advent in the church, 
and we're talking about the arrival of someone or something very important. We, over the last month, have talked so much about that baby Jesus, the Son of God, God who took on flesh, was born from the Virgin Mary, angels singing to the the shepherds out in the field, telling them, go into Bethlehem and find the baby. Boys and girls, by show of hands, raise your hand if you think that the arrival of Jesus as a baby was significant. Was it important? Yes, absolutely. You can put your hands down. The question, though, is why was the advent or the arrival of Jesus, that baby, so important? And it's because he came here not to just be a baby. That baby grew up and lived a life 33 years on this earth, and he never sinned, never made a mistake, never did anything wrong. And then after 33 years, he went to the cross and died to pay for our sins. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. He paid for our sin on the cross. And boys and girls, did he stay in the tomb? What happened on the third day? He rose from the dead. As we celebrate Christmas in the advent of this baby Jesus Christ, we know that he came for a reason. And that reason was to save us from our sin and to bring us back into a relationship with God. I want to read a verse today, a passage from John chapter 14. If you're turning in your Bibles today, John chapter 14. Normally I read from the ESV translation. Today I'm going to be in the New Living Translation for the sake of our kids. John chapter 14 This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples because we do see from Christmas season the advent that Jesus came as a baby and he went to the cross and he died for our sins and then he rose from the dead. And then after he rose from the dead, he stuck around for about 40 days and he talked to his disciples and other people. And then after that time, he ascended into heaven to go sit at the right hand of God the Father, where he is right now to this day interceding, which means praying for you and I on our behalf. And so before Jesus went to heaven, he said this to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 1. It says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Let's pause for a moment. Jesus is telling his disciples, his followers, that even though he came, now he's going to go away, and he's going to go prepare a place for them and for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, a believer of Jesus Christ, then he's going to prepare a place. If you're anywhere close to my age range, and if you grew up in church, you're probably familiar with a song called Big House. Maybe if you're familiar with it, either you're my age-ish or maybe older or younger and you're just familiar with it anyways. There's a song that went, uh, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of, a big, big table with lots and lots of, A big, big yard where we can play. A big, big house. house. Now, that's a fun song, and kudos, high fives to those of you who sang along. 
Then Leave Me Hanging. That's a cute, fun song trying to make the point that Jesus has gone ahead of us to prepare an eternal home for us. Let's see what he would say to his disciples as he goes on from verse 3. He says this, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way where I'm going. So Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to prepare a home for you, an eternal home. And then he's not only doing that, but he says, I'm going to come back when it's all ready and I'm going to bring you with me to that home so that we can be with Jesus forever. Somebody say, oh yeah. But one of the disciples, Thomas, says, wait a minute, we, we don't understand. Let's see what he says in verse 5. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? He's basically saying, Jesus, we don't know where you are going, and if we don't know where you're going, how are we going to know how to get there? All of you got here this morning because your parents knew the way to church. They knew where the church was located. And they knew from your house to the church, here is the way to get to church. Thomas is saying, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how are we going to know the way? And Jesus answers Thomas this way in verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Boys and girls, I want to hear your loud voices this morning say, the way the truth, and the life. I think you've got a better one in you. Let's try that again. Say, the way, the truth, and the life. He goes on to say, no one can come to the Father except through me. See, when Thomas is saying, we don't know where you're going, so we don't know the way, Jesus says something that could have been interesting to many, when Jesus says, actually, I am the way. He's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you, a home that we could be together forever, for eternity. And you're going to know how to get there. Thomas says, we don't know how. And Jesus says, well, not only am I going to prepare a place for you, I am the way to the place. And sadly, boys and girls and adults as well, we live in a day where there's plenty of people that are leading people astray by saying that there's many different ways to God. Is that true? No. Not according to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So when someone comes to you and says, hey, I know you might think that Jesus is the truth, but I have another truth that's my truth. Do you think that that's right? No. no. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, how do we know that we can believe Jesus? How do we know that we can trust that he is going to do what he said, that he is actually preparing a place for all of us, and that he is actually going to come back for us to take us home with him? 
Well, just like the same way that we can make plans and prepare for New Year's tonight because we can look back and see that year after year, New Year's has come, we can look back and see what God has promised and what God has done. We can see, boys and girls, do you know that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies or promises? Can you, how many of you can count to 300? We're not going to do it right now, but how many of you can count to 300? Okay, let's look around and let's see how many adults need to learn how to count again. Just kidding. I'm sure our parents and adults know how to count to 300 as well. But boys and girls, think about that. God made over 300 promises about Jesus that Jesus came and fulfilled. That's pretty amazing. And so we can know that Jesus came once before, just as God has promised. And so we can know that Jesus is coming once again, just as he promised. See, all those promises in the Old Testament about a Messiah, a Savior, a baby who would come through a virgin, Jesus fulfilled all those promises. He came. He did everything that God said he would do. So we know that we can trust Jesus once more, that if he came once according to God's promises, that he will come again according to God's promises. See, we've made plans for the arrival of the new year, the arrival with friends and family. We have prepared to celebrate tonight. But boys and girls, if you read the book of Revelation, you'll hear Jesus telling John about the marriage feast of the Lamb. And that might be a complicated term for you in your age, but that's one way that Jesus is saying there's coming a day when he's going to come back for his people. And he's going to bring them with him to the home that he prepared for us forever. And we are going to experience a great feast, a great celebration, an enjoying of God that will give us more joy than anything else we've ever experienced. I want you to think for just a second. In your life, don't, an, don't shout it out right now, but what in your life has given you more joy than anything else? What made you the happiest you've ever been in your entire life? Are you thinking about it? You thinking about it? Okay, on the, shout, on the count of three, I want you to tell me what it is, okay, all at once. One, two, three, what was it? That sounds amazing. I'm sure that was a great reason to be happy. But let me tell you this, boys and girls. No matter what has made you the happiest you've ever been in your life, no matter what's given you more joy than anything else, the day that we with our own eyes look at Jesus coming back for his people, the day that we get to behold and look at the resurrected Jesus Christ, the day that he brings his people home with him will be more joy than you've ever experienced in your entire life. That is the day that we long for. That's the day that we look forward to. Even more certain than the calendar, we have promises from God that Jesus will come back for us. And so what do we do? Just the same way that we prepare for tonight, we want to prepare our hearts for Jesus' arrival. How do we do that? Number one, we have to believe. Everybody say believe. believe. 
We have to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. We have to believe His Word. We have to believe in that gospel good news that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin. If you don't believe He's coming back for you, I have sad news, then He's not coming back for you. He's coming back for people who believe in Him, who love Him, and are patiently waiting for Him. We have to prepare for his arrival. I want to read a verse from, from Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed, that means we're taught, to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. That's talking about the day that he comes back. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. See, boys and girls, how do we prepare for the arrival of Jesus? The same way that you would prepare your house for company by cleaning up our hearts, our lives need to be cleaned up. How many of you, uh, I want to see a show of hands, have ever made a mess so bad that you couldn't clean it on your own and your parents had to come clean it up for you? Yeah, I have. When I was a little boy one time, I got out a Sharpie. Do you know what a Sharpie is? That's a permanent marker. And I wrote all over some things that were not supposed to be written on. And as much as I realized that I needed to get that marker off of the stuff and that I was going to be in trouble, I could try and scrub it. I could get a paper towel. I could get it wet. I could scrub and scrub. And I couldn't get that stuff to come off. And so what I had to do was go to my mom and dad and say, Mom, Dad, I messed up. I made a mess. And my parents were gracious. They forgave me from what I did wrong. Not only did they forgive me, but they helped me fix it. They painted over some things, cleaned up some things, and got that Sharpie off and actually even threw a few things away. Boys and girls, see, the amazing thing about Jesus is he knows about every mess we've ever made with our sin, with our disobedience, with our bad decisions. Yet Jesus doesn't say to us, well, you've made a mess, so figure it out and clean it up. No, Jesus came into our mess, and he cleans our mess up. And he did so by shedding his blood on the cross. So good, so kind, so gracious. So how do we prepare? We prepare by doing like I did with my parents. We confess sin. When we've sinned, when we have done wrong, we come to our good Father God and we say, Father, I told a lie and I know that that doesn't please you. Would you forgive me? Or when we take something that's not ours, we say, God, would you please forgive me? I did something wrong. That's, that's confessing. That's saying the thing that we did wrong. And then next, we repent. That's a, a big word that essentially means Instead of just saying, hey, thanks for cleaning up my mess. I'm going to make another one over here now. B 
because we're thankful that he cleaned up our mess of sin, we go, I want to stop doing that sinful thing. It's turning away from sin. It's going, man, mom and dad, I'm so sorry I, I ruined this stuff with the Sharpie. Please forgive me, and I'm going to not do that anymore. That's repentance. Repentance is going, I'm sorry for sinning, and I want to turn from sinning. So we get ready by confessing sin, repenting of sin, believing in Jesus, and finally, we have to stay ready. We got to stay ready. The Bible talks a lot about how nobody knows when Jesus is coming. No man knows the day, no one knows the hour. And so we have to stay ready for when he comes. Jesus, in fact, told a parable, a story about five smart people who stayed ready and five foolish ones who did not stay ready. Say, be ready and stay ready. The last point I have for you today is we must tell as many people as we can. We must tell as many people as we can. See, in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says that there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The book of Revelation tells us the same thing, that there's coming that day when Jesus comes back, every single knee will bow to Jesus as King and every single tongue, every mouth will confess that he is Lord. Boys and girls, I know we've had a lot of fun this morning, but this part's pretty serious. There's two people in the world, two types of people. There are those who, when Jesus comes back, will bow their knees and they will go, whoa, Jesus is king. He is Lord. I knew he was. I believed God's word. He's here. He's king. He's come. And they will be filled with joy. I hope and pray that's you and me. On the other side, there will be people when Jesus comes back who bow their knee in submission. And instead of saying, whoa, they're going to say, woe is me. Jesus really is king and I didn't believe it. See, when Jesus comes back, for those who believe in him and follow him and serve him and love him, it will be the most joyful day you've ever had. For those who do not believe and do not follow and do not repent, it will be the most sorrowful day of their entire lives. This is why we must tell as many people as we can. The invitation is not just for us. We must go out and tell others, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Jesus is coming back for a people who would believe in him. Do you believe? Jesus is coming back. Please turn away from the ways of this world and trust in Jesus. So we have to get ready and we have to stay ready. I'm going to invite everyone to stand this morning. Would you say, let's get ready 
and let's stay ready. Let's say that again. Let's get ready and let's stay ready. Boys and girls, we do know Jesus is coming back. And we don't know when. And since we know he is coming back, that is why we have to get ready. And since we don't know when he's coming back, that's why we have to stay ready. And that's why we also want to tell as many people as we can. Why? Because he is coming back. And we want to be ready. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us all prepare our hearts for your second coming that we would confess sin and repent sin and that we would believe in Jesus Christ. That that wonderful day when you come again would be wonderful for us, not terrible for us. And that we would follow you, serve you, and tell as many as we can to the glory of your name, Jesus. And everyone says, amen.